Welcome to Razzle Frat. We're back to talk books, coffee, pop culture, and more. I'm Allie. And I'm Ashton. So how are you? What have you been up to? Um, I've actually been pretty busy between school and um, trying to train for a 5k, which just means that I'm just doing the training regiment of a 5k. I'm, I'm too shy to actually try out for a race or Join a race because none of my friends will run with me and I don't want to run alone. <laughs> <laughs> I would run with you, but I only do like interval running because of my stupid shins and my knees. No, I get it. I was, um, I have a friend that like I sometimes go running with, but she is non-committal and <laughs> like has, has put it in my head to train for 5Ks and then never comes on a run with me anymore she's not <laughs> you know who you are <laughs> yeah well she's not even she doesn't even listen to this podcast i'm pretty sure but yeah, um I'd be surprised. she just like isn't in the mindset to run right now which i totally respect so um i'm basically just doing my own thing and um making sure that like i keep up with myself and keep myself accountable because i don't have anybody kind of with me to do that so yeah yeah, you're but. good at keeping yourself accountable. I am not. If I'm not feeling, like, it's day by day for me. I don't even plan, like, what I'm doing. It's just how am I feeling that day, and that's just how I have to handle things. <laughs> also, I've just been, like, so busy. I'm, like, exhausted. But, um, yeah, training for a 5K while you're a student and writing short stories for fun and doing the podcast, like, you keep yourself so busy. <laughs> yeah. How do you ever have time also, to relax? thank you for segueing into the next part of my docket because I didn't mention that I was writing short stories. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but it's okay. Um, I'll talk about it a Surprise. little bit. It's okay. Um, <laughs> just full context. We are both, it's Sunday night. Um, we are both very tired. We work the weekends and it has been, it has been a trip this past weekend in general. We're yeah. very tired, worn out. Um, we're trying out this new technical thing where each of us have our own microphones instead of just one shared one so um please forgive us if the audio isn't perfect we're learning um as we go there's really no well professional Allie's learning as we go since she's our technical guru (laughs) yeah put all the blame on me if it all goes wrong but um, for short story writing, I am doing this. It's in, it's through Substack, but um, I write biweekly. Um, they're they're considered vignettes slash short stories. So like, it's a vignette in that it glimpses into a certain person's life for a particular moment. Maybe it's with it's usually within a day span that it's happening. It's only or a course of a few hours, but you learn about that person's life through this story, and um. I'm co-writing it with another person who does every other week and it's been interesting it's been pushing me to actually write every week essentially um creatively and actually inspiring me to maybe pick up my own personal writing again projects that I will not disclose (laughs) on this in the off chance that people actually are like listening other than my mom and my boyfriend um just because I'm I'm totally insecure and shy about my personal writing so I don't talk about so. it <laughs> yeah that's understandable yeah but um how are you doing after this this lovely weekend that <laughs> yeah. we had together so so yeah more context my roommate's birthday was last Wednesday and um, like I said we're recording this Sunday um so Friday night we went out for her birthday and it was a long night um, we as not not, as, I joined too. Yes, I too. yes. Uh, we yeah. Well, it's Megan who was on our uh, guest host from last episode. Yes. Um, but um, we went out for her birthday and had a great time. But it was just like late and there was a lot going on, and so we're both exhausted from it. But Megan um, had a good birthday weekend, and we had fun celebrating her. That's all that matters. Um, <laughs> but that kind of segues into. <laughs> Allie's, like, point that she's, she oh, wants to talk oh, about, about where oh, we went. Yeah, I, like, I, like, wrote it down. I'm not gonna say what I wrote, but, um, <laughs> we went to a rooftop bar that, we didn't go on the rooftop because it was, uh, kind of cold out still. Yeah. They it was, went like, to the rooftop after we left. Oh, they did? Okay, yes. cool. Um, yeah, so Ashton and I both had work in the morning. I had work You had at, work early. I had work at 8 a.m. I didn't have we didn't get inside. <laughs> we didn't get inside the club until twelve thirty, which is normally fine for me, believe it or not. 
Um, but, but when I when had you to work in India. Yeah, and also all the local trains that I normally take home yeah. to Brooklyn weren't working um, because they're doing track maintenance and stuff. So um, it was just a lot. Yeah. And then when we went in, it was a, it was a lot of people that I felt were in a different time in their lives than me. They were <laughs> young. She means young. <laughs> yeah. They were young and, like, beautiful and funky and... It was just, like, as we're going in, um, we're waiting for the elevator to go up to the club, and this horde of people get off the elevator who are leaving, and I'm like, oh, there goes my age generation right I'm like, they're all going home, because that's the vibe right now, and I'm going in with the (laughs) 21-year-olds, but okay. Um, It's fine. I survived. There was a lot of neon lights and smoke. Disco balls. And disco balls. There was a nice I view. Loved the dis- there was a beautiful yeah. view of the New York skyline. Um, there was a hot tub pool inside it. So if you're in New York and you know what we're talking about, kudos to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're cool. Yeah, it was there a was, cool place. I it just, was fine. I just... <sighs> just, like, I feel like neither one of us was, like, drunk enough to, like, really yeah. enjoy it. Not that Not that you need to be drunk You don't. This, you but, don't. Like, but, like, think, when you have work the next day yeah. and you're not really, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, like... But nonetheless, we had fun. Megan definitely had fun, yeah. <laughs> and that's all that we cared about. It was her birthday, so yeah, um, yeah definitely. Um, the throuple behind us oh had fun. They had so much fun, they crashing way more fun into than we did. every. They were like flailing person. about. They there were, was like hardly room to like for me to even like have my purse on me, and these these people behind us were like flapping their arms. No, and... they weren't. Even, they were literally like launching themselves. In a circular type motion, because the three of them were like conjoined, like making out with <laughs> yeah. each other, which is like Ugh. fine. Like if you're vibing that hard, go for it. But like they were literally co- like propelling themselves into people, and I, like it got to the point where I personally felt like they're doing it on purpose, yeah, like just to piss people off, yeah. which is like not the vibe at any place you go to. Like if you're out yeah. and you just want to be an asshole, like I don't want to deal with you, like no matter what age we are, like, I just can't handle that, and, um, but anyway, um, (laughs) I'll just shut up about going out now, because I'm sounding so old and crotchety at this point. (laughs) We're really not, like, I promise, but, like, it was just, like, I mean, I kind of am, it's okay, it's fine, it's okay, Um, yeah, um, yeah, the only other thing I have going on in my life is that I'm in the process of adopting my second cat, I have like put some feelers out with local cat rescues and we'll be adopting another cat. I'm so excited. I know you're probably not I'm excited. I'm not going to be able to breathe when I go to your apartment now. I know. Well, we'll I'll just like have to clean extra deeply. I can like lock them in my room if I need to because they'll have each other. I'm so excited. Mare is like, we're home all the time with her, but she loves other animals and I know that she'll be better off with a buddy so and I won't feel so guilty when I do have to work all day or whatever so I'm excited so yeah so um moving along Ashton what are you reading currently or have read this past month yeah it's been a slower reading month for me um but I am reading or I'm almost done with The Paper Palace by Miranda Kelly Heller which is a Riverside book, Riverside, Riverhead book, which is like one of my favorite imprints. And they almost never disappoint me. So uh, that's certainly the case here. It's about this woman and she, her name's Elle, and she is trying to decide between her husband, Peter, and her childhood slash like teenage love, Jonas. And so the Paper Palace is their place out on Cape Cod and it starts with her like the morning after she's slept with Jonas finally um she's still married so then it like kind of jumps back and forth in time between um the beginning of her life kind of leading up to where she is now so the book takes place in 24 hours but also like 50 years so I kind of like that setup and I'm just about to the end where I'm gonna see uh who she ends up with so um, I'm excited. I took a break from reading that so that I could read our book club pick. So now I get to go back to that. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you, what was it last 
time you were going to pick up another book, my Monticello. Did you ever read that? Because that's only on one of the award lists now. Yeah, no, I saw that it was on. Um, I haven't um, because I wanted something just like light and fun. I um, was like traveling and so I wanted something that I could read on a plane and kind of pick up throughout my time at home. Uh, So... But I do want to read my Monticello, mm-hmm. and it's it's on my shelf. That, and I also picked up um, The Song of Achilles at a little free library near have me you, when I was home in Texas. So I haven't read it yet. I know I'm behind. But Have I'm you read Cersei? No, I haven't read that either. Isn't it Song of Achilles the sequel, or am I totally stupid about that? No. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I, I truly don't know. Yeah, because I read... I didn't read I have Cersei. Yeah. I've been meaning to read it, but I thought Song of Achilles was a sequel, or maybe it's just, like, a similar... Maybe it's similar, and it was the same author, Yeah. but, um, yeah. but yeah, so I'm excited about about that, yeah. Yeah. How about read, you? What are you reading? I should Um, so I just read this book, uh, I'm not gonna go too much in detail, because, like, so I technically read the manuscript for this book, but, like, it's been published, so I can, I think I can talk about it, right? Yeah, if it's been published. Um, it was published, I think, in 2018? So it's called Vida Nostra, and it's by, I'm going to butcher this, but Marina and Serhi Diachenko, which it's translated by Julia Metov-Hershey, which it's written in Ukraine and Russian originally. And um, I read this for, I know, right? I read this for uh, one of my courses, and... um, I was happily surprised. It's a fantasy sci-fi. It's more fantasy than okay. sci-fi. And it, like, kind of was advertised as, like, the magicians and a little bit of Harry Potter. Okay. Which I was like, all right, I, I enjoy. enjoy Harry Potter. So, um, but it basically follows, like, the course of this girl who, like, meets, like, this mysterious man and, like, sets her to do all these tasks. Like, every morning, wake up at four and, like, go swim out naked to the Bowie and touch it to come back. And then she's like, What? And if she doesn't do it, like, someone in her life gets hurt or, like, something weird happens. Like, mm. weird shit happens if she doesn't follow it. So she does that. And then, like, the next thing when she gets home is, like, okay, I get up every morning at 5 and go for a run. And, like, and pee in the bushes. And she's like, what? It's <laughs> and so then, weird. Um, but long story short, it's, like, a training ritual almost. And then she, like, basically gets, like, so weird and fails, like, her exams. And, like, she's a senior in high school or whatever the equivalent is there. And she doesn't even know where she's going for university. And then he comes over. He's like, you've already been accepted. You're going to this place in this town that you've never heard of. Here's your acceptance letter. And show your parents. Don't tell them anything. And it's, like, the most obscure, random shit. And, like, in the whole thing, like, it's nothing. The only magical thing is that every time she performs a task, she, like, pukes up gold coins. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, really weird. Um, and I'm like, I'm, like, but, like, I'm into it. So yeah. it's fine. And um, she goes to, like, this this really rigorous schooling where like nobody's told why they're there nobody nobody tells them what they're studying like everything so like you're not the like the reader as as well as the protagonist has no fucking clue what the purpose of this whole (laughs) thing is and it as they learn you learn and it's so cool it's like really weird um anybody that says they fully understood this book from start to finish is lying Mm. Um, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's very convoluted, like, understanding it all, it's, in my opinion, it's, like, fantasy, like, campus novel, philosophy, and existentialism, all rolled into one. Interesting. And it's, like, the concepts that they talk about, and the physical, like, she's, like, I'm so tired, and he's, like, well, you're fighting it, and she's, like, what are you talking about? She's, like, he's, like, you're fighting your transformation, or whatever. Mm -hmm physical, mental, whatever you want to take it as. And she's like, I'm not. I'm working really hard. He goes, no. He's like, you're not. He's like, you're still hung up about being a human. And she's like, what's wrong with being human? And he goes, nothing's wrong with it. It's just that, like, you're so scared to let go of being human mm-hmm. because it's the only thing you've ever known. No. And, like, it's like they're talking fourth, fifth dimensions in it. And it's like, I'm probably not doing it justice because I really don't want to give that much away because – the way it builds in my mind is so cool and, like, how she transformed. And to be honest, I couldn't tell what was real and what wasn't real. Hmm. Like, what was metaphorical and mm-hmm. what, wasn't, what wasn't. So, I mean, and then the ending. Oh, it, like, leaves it on a cliffhanger vibe. Like, it does not go the way you think it's going to go. Is and there a sequel? It's, it's, like, it says it's, like, one of the series. Okay. I don't know if there's more, but, like, there should be a sequel in my opinion. And then I also, um, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit no, over okay. time, but, uh, 
the, I also just read Real Life by Brandon Taylor, that book which is so good. You know, which I like. Remember, t- I texted it's you about Riverhead it. It's another Riverhead one. I know. Yeah. Um, I texted you about it because it came out in twenty twenty, and um, I guess I'm just really bad with contemporary fiction. I'm not very good about keeping up. I'm trying. Right now, I'm I'm reading more twenty twenty one books, which is really good for me. Um, and I'll read another one soon, but uh, another release soon. But I just this one I kind of was like texting you upset with myself that it took me this long to read it just because this book was phenomenal and it's his debut and like this is the way he he writes like half poetic half curt and like with like mixings of stream of consciousness and I was like I didn't know I needed this in my life until I got it it's beautiful it is and it's heart-wrenching like my heart broke for him the character that he narrates on and I just like I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you but yeah I love the story it follows um Wallace who is a graduate student a black graduate student and he's he's in the midwest and he just doesn't he's from the south and he just like his very tragic past unravels as he goes through the course of a weekend yeah it's just a couple days. Um, just his identities and, like, his concept of what is successful and whatnot. And it just, ugh, I, I can't even really talk about it. Because, I, like, I will go on forever and we need to, like, move on with what we're discussing it today. It is but... so good. I cannot recommend it enough. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad you finally read it. Yeah, me too. And I did actually just um, put on my list to pick up Filthy Animals, which is his collection, right, of short yeah. stories. Yeah. Yeah, so that's his most recent publication. But yeah, so I've read Vida Nostra and Real Life. Totally different vibes. Yes. Um, you need variety as the spice of life. Yeah, <laughs> and like I said, I'm very eclectic. Yes. Um, and my, our next talk, which is our book club review, the Razzleflat book club, is completely different from those two books as well. Yes. <laughs> so um, we are reading Passing by Nella Larson. Um, this is, like, a Harlan Renaissance book that was, like, overlooked for a very long time, I think, by most literary circles. Yeah. Like, you either knew it from, if you were an English student that, like, understood it, which I was not an English student, so I didn't get excited. I didn't even hear about this book until after college. Yeah, and then, um, maybe you're hearing about it now, because, like, they just released a movie last year with, uh... Oh, that's right! Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think, I think the, uh, her call star is nominated for like an oscar or something for oh, it um cool. i could be wrong about that like completely yeah. but yeah do you want to read the uh mm-hmm. the flap copy on uh what the book is about yes so irene redfield is living an enviable life with her husband and children in the thriving african-american enclave of 1920s harlem that is until she runs into childhood friend claire kendry since they last saw each other claire who is similarly light-skinned has been passing as a white woman and is married to a racist man who does not know her true identity irene is fascinated and repulsed by claire's dangerous secret and in turn claire yearns for irene's sense of ease and security in her blackness which claire gave up in pursuit of a more advantageous life and can never embrace again claire begins to insert herself and her deception into irene's stable existence and their complex relationship sets off a chain of events that dynamically alters both women forever Wow. I know. It sounds like a, like a meaty book, but it's actually like only 150 pages, so it's a very quick read. Mm-hmm. But um, do you want to talk about your first point? Sure. Um, I think this is... I'm trying to think of how to phrase it, but I really liked how Nella Larson discussed through her characters like how race is a social construct and I think that that's something that I read about a lot in like nonfiction, like Cast um, by Isabel Wilkerson that's a like a nonfiction book about how race is kind of socially constructed but seeing it in this way side by side just like The Vanishing Half kind of um by what is it Britt Bennett um is really interesting and at one point in the book um in my version it was page 55 
like her husband says something about like well if I knew the answer to that I would know what race is and so it's like just the definition of race is changing constantly throughout the book um if it ever has a definition at all and I really liked how she played with that and made the reader think about it um I'm not I'm not articulating it very well but yeah I think she did a really good job with not just saying it but showing it through her characters yeah and and um I think what is very important about this particular notion um or uh concept is that it's it's always existed it's not something Mm -hmm. that like the quote-unquote woke people are discussing in circles um you know in the new millennium it's just uh this book was published in the 30s you know before uh civil rights and things like that Mm -hmm. um so I think that uh, we can only, you and I can only, we can't really no. attest to it. We can only no. uh, un- uh, listen and understand and uh, try to um, kind of just see what is being discussed. Um, wow, yeah. that was not. I know, (laughs) we both were kind of just rambling, but it's hard to articulate, but I think she handles it very well, and it's something you kind of just have to read for yourself, um, to see how she plays with it. I think what I enjoyed about, not that you can enjoy it, but about the way Nella Larson comes about this particular concept, and and discussing it, and showing it, not telling it, or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, is that she doesn't give excuses, she doesn't be like, oh, well, it's the time period. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas, like, in a lot of books from this time period, used used the slang and used the um, derogatory way in which people addressed race. Mm-hmm. And I think um, Nell Larson doesn't shy away from that and just mm-hmm. kind of is, like, not making excuses. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? She's not saying, like, Oh, well, like, they're used to see, like, I guess in her time period, like, it's like how today, I was like, well, it was a different time back then. Yeah. People didn't know better. Yeah. And then, you know, she could make the argument, um, the stupid argument, that like, oh, well, like, people are just not used to it. Like, it was a different time 50 years ago, yeah. so, like, you have to give them time to adjust or whatever. And she's like, yeah. no, this has always yeah. been around. It's always been a problem. And, um... I'm just going to address it and then move on and tell yeah. this story. And I think that's really powerful because um, because of the time that this was written. Because this is a prime example of, like, the fact that the people that have the arguments today about, like, movies that portray historical stuff and aren't accurate or whatever and just say, oh, um, you know, like, well, there's a reason why there's not many black actors in this particular movie because it would end up in at this time period. Mm-hmm. And you know, Nellison is, like, proving them wrong, like, yeah. being, saying, like, no, like, you don't yeah. have to do that, you don't have, like, there's a different way yeah. to address history, there's a different way to address everything, mm-hmm. um, and stop making excuses, essentially, but yeah. I wanted to kind of talk about the relationship between, I'm switching around my points, mm-hmm. the relationship between Irene and Brian, who is her husband, mm-hmm. Redfield. Um, I have mixed feelings about this relationship, and, I mean, I we tell it every single time, but there's going to be spoilers. We're going to talk about the whole freaking book, because, like, it's not a long we one, have to. and we have to. We really do. Yeah, um, We didn't so- have enough time off air to talk about it, so <laughs> yes. we have to. So, pause, read the book, it won't take you that long, and then come back if you yeah. don't want spoilers. It's 150 pages, if you're like me. I can read about 60 pages an hour, so that's, like... Two and a half hours, babe. Go for it. You can do it. So, Brian, at first I was like, I loved how Irene was describing him and basically saying, like, if he was white, I would not, like, be attracted to him at all. Like, he's just such a beautiful man and, like, part of his blackness is what makes him so beautiful to me. Mm -hmm. And um, she's, like, admiring the life that they built and, like, understanding that like he had to sacrifice wanting to get out of new york for his practice because she didn't want to live in brazil Mm -hmm. they don't really go into detail why he wants to go to brazil right yeah i don't think so he just like hates being a doctor in new york which he's a doctor and they live a fairly like they have like a maid and yeah um, two i think yeah Yeah. they're like 
fairly well off, I think. They yeah. have a, they, from what they've described, they live in Harlem with their two sons. Mm-hmm. And, like, she even is trying to convince him at one point to get her son to be sent to a European private school. So, like, they have um, a very decent amount of wealth, I think. Yeah, I think so. Right? Yeah, that's even, how I read it. Yeah, for that time period, I guess, like, because even then, even in the 20s, it was hard to, like, send your kids to European schools, yeah. I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I would think so. But I think how her, as her relationship with Claire develops, mm-hmm. her relationship with Brian, and, the, and we'll talk about this, but, like, disintegrates almost yeah. in that like but it doesn't disintegrate solely Care- I feel like Claire is just the catalyst mm-hmm. whereas like it was never a good relationship it was never like true love or mutual yeah. affection even like I I especially got irked when he w- they were talking about sex and they were talking about um because mm. she was concerned about like one the 11 12 year old kid like learning all these sex jokes and, at school and, like, bad influences and, like, you know, boys will be boys um, is not a good excuse. Like, yeah. she was kind of like, no, he needs to, like, tone it down. And the, the dad, Brian, was like, well, sex is a joke. How else are you going to approach it? And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, if my husband ever yeah. said to me sex is a joke, I'd fucking divorce him. <laughs> <I know>. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like really I just kind of, yeah, shitty. I was like, and I know this is 20, but, like, they do talk about divorce in this, so it was an option for them if they wanted it, like, yeah. back then. And I'm just, like, I'm like, you cannot tell your wife that sex is a joke. Yeah. Like, the fuck? Like, yeah. that's so messed up to say that to her. And, like, that kind of, like, starts to show... Brian, the way he is to her, and like at first you think you think he's just like grumpy and run down and like whatever, but like no, he just doesn't like her, and that's yeah. so ma- like maddening to yeah. me, cause like this woman makes her like house and her children and basically stepping on eggs eggshells with her husband mm-hmm. her whole life. Yeah, that's what she centers her life around. She doesn't ask for a lot, and like. Maybe that's sad, like, that's settling for him or whatever, but I'm just, like... I think, yeah, she's doing it for the kids. They're only together, basically, because of the kids. Yeah, and, which, I mean, people do that, but, and I think, so I think, like, people that, upon reading this, are like, oh, well, Claire tears them apart, or whatever. Um, We can go into it later, but, you know, if you haven't figured it out by now, Claire and Brian essentially have an affair. At, at least it's implied. It, it yeah. actually is never outrightly said. Yeah, which is one of these things so tragic, which we'll talk about, but... I didn't think it was tragic. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a personal thing. But um, I think that they were bound. Some, Claire was just the one catalyst. They were bound to get torn apart one way or another. Yeah. He just stopped being, like, discreet about not being happy, mm-hmm. I think. Because he found blatant happiness in something else or someone yeah. else, essentially, he just stopped pretending with Irene. Yeah. And so she was finally like, well, fuck. Yeah. So. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was an interesting relationship. Yeah, he's just... Yeah, I was not a fan of him <laughs> from the beginning. But... Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, do you want to do your next point? Yeah, so I think... Um, I probably won't articulate this very well either, but I think the way that Noah Larson talks about the tensions between the relationships you have with yourself and your friends and um for these characters their race their racial category um is really interesting because like claire or um irene wants so badly to like throw claire under the bus and like out her as like a black woman to her husband and she is just like painfully loyal to her because she knows that she's a black woman, and so, like, Irene has this, like, internal yeah. tension the whole time, the whole story about, um, you know, how, whether or not to serve herself or to help Claire because they're bound by, like, the bonds of, like, friendship and womanhood or, like, like it's just interesting how, like, interconnected everything is in Irene's mind and, like, why she feels so stuck and, like, she can't move in one direction or the other and... I just thought she, Nella Larson, did a great job of describing, um, like, the, like, Irene's intersectionality and of her loyalties. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. yeah, and even, like, I think, like, what broke Irene down to, like, 
sympathize momentarily <laughs> with Claire was when Claire, like, wanted to be invited to a party yeah. that Claire was essentially hosting. Um, or not Claire, that Irene was hosting. And um, because Claire found out that, like, whites were going. She found out that, like, prominent white writers and people were going, which when she found that out, and then she also found out why they were going, which is basically to, like, ogle yeah. at the way black people partied, yeah. which is, like, it was very, like, awful. Yeah. That is awful, in my opinion, but um, that was, like, Claire was, like, oh, I could go. Mm-hmm. She's, like, I can go. And my husband won't even, like, think anything of it like he won't be happy that i'm going to a place with these people but like nobody that knows me as a white woman will second guess why i'm going to this party because there's other white people Mm -hmm. there and i was like that's like not great and even um irene was like no you cannot come to this like this is my world like please don't make a farce of it like just because you like are bored But what gets Irene to say yes eventually is that Claire breaks down. And Claire's like, you have no idea what it's like to have a racist husband and not know that he was fully racist Mm -hmm. until after I married him and passed as white and never told him. Because what happens in the very beginning that you learn about how Claire and Irene reconnect after 12 years of never Mm -hmm. hearing from Claire um, was that they were both passing at a white restaurant mm-hmm. um, upscale to get out of the heat mm-hmm. or whatever. For At least for Irene, she was trying to get out of the heat. Mm-hmm. And uh, Claire invited her to tea. And when she shows up to tea, there's another woman mm-hmm. who was known for marrying a white man who could also technically pass. And um, they're discussing it. I think it was Gertrude, Gertrude was her yeah. name. And they're discussing it, and then they are sitting there, and the husband comes home and calls her a word I'm not going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two of them, Gertrude and Irene, are, like, shocked. Gertrude goes silent. Irene fucking starts laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Cannot, like, get over how ridiculous this whole thing is. And this man is going on and on about how he's never even been in the same room as a black person. He, like, hates them, doesn't even dislike them. He hates them. And, like, just launches all these racial slurs and stereotypes and terrible things. And, like, the three of them are sitting there. And, like, Irene literally is thinking, if only he knew that he was sitting among these black devils that he calls them. Three black women. Three black women. And he's going on and on about this. And he just has no idea. And he's so ignorant. And, like, the name-calling that he's, Mm -hmm. he's doing with Claire, his pet name for her, is based on the fact that she gets she seems to be getting darker as she gets older and it's like ridiculous and the way and if you hear the way that she's described by irene they describe her as ivory with blonde hair so she's like very um pale i guess in comparison whereas irene has more olive tone skin so she gets taken for like mediterranean i think um and after he leaves, like, it's so interesting, the reactions between Gertrude and Irene, because Irene's pissed. Irene's, like, he fucking just, like, just disgraced my race. I just don't want to, like, I was so mad that I didn't say anything and speak up and, like, defend myself and, like, just completely make him feel like an asshole and, like, make him feel uncomfortable and all this stuff. And she was very enraged. She Mm -hmm. used the word rage a lot, that she didn't speak up. And, um, because she, she's proud. She's proud mm-hmm. of being black. She's proud of who she is and her and her people. And, um, she doesn't want to be silent. And then Gertrude, on the other hand, was sitting, was talking to her and saying, I feel so sorry and so scared mm-hmm. for Claire. And Irene's like, what the hell are you talking about? And she's like, my husband, who's white, and his whole family, who's white, know that I'm black. Mm-hmm. They know where I come from. Yeah. They grew up with me. And, because they all grew up on the south side in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I can't imagine my husband not knowing and having that secret loom over me forever on top of having a racist husband. Like, Claire will literally die or something if he ever finds out. And they were, oh, it was just like, that's not a way to live. Mm -hmm. That is not a way to live. 
um, that is not a relationship you'd want to have with anybody under false anything, and just that moment itself was the the intro mm-hmm. of Claire and Irene as adults, yeah. and I think that says a lot about how people pretend and just the way that it eats at you, what it, whatever the pretense is, um, and, and the concept of being caught will drive you to do almost anything mm-hmm. and it makes you question everything yeah. um i just i couldn't um but i want to just keep talking over you basically and go into my next <laughs> oh, point. go for it go for um it. the description of claire being cat-like mm-hmm. i thought that was deadly mm-hmm. the way they talked about her and um the way irene observed her movements so she's a very seductive woman um, apparently she's beautiful, goddess-like, and, um, there's just, like, this one part where, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find it, I had my finger on it earlier, but, you know, how my life <laughs> is, um, every time I try to talk about something, it just, like, slips away from me, oh, it says, what was it about Claire's voice that was so appealing? so very seductive so like everything head to toe the woman's beautiful um she she's beautiful in in, like a graceful way as well like she's Mm -hmm. her movements are very pristine Mm -hmm. and she just floats into a room her voice is like husky and Mm -hmm. seductive and like think 1920s starlets you know the way they kind of are like the sultry Mm -hmm. women that's how she claire is described and um, I think the cat-like part is a two, is like a twofold of the mm-hmm. meaning, and that, yeah, she's seductive, and I know you're a fan of cats, so you do not take this the wrong way, <laughs> but she's also sneaky. She's yeah. sneaky, she's silent, she lurks, almost, yeah. and she, like, she stalks, yeah. in my opinion. Um, she stalks her prey, because there's moments where, like, Irene's like, I remember, she's a she's the girl that got her way, no matter what, like, she was not able to be told no, whenever she wanted something, yeah. she went out and got it, and, like, that's true, that's true the way she does everything, like, if you think about it, Claire is told by Irene repeatedly no, mm-hmm. about certain, a lot of things about entering yeah. Irene's life, coming to Irene's home, going to Irene's party. parties, Meeting Irene's friends. Yeah. Yeah, she basically tells Irene, like, no. You should invite me to be polite, but I'm just showing up anyways. So, yeah. like, you might as well invite me. Yeah, and she literally was like, if you don't take me with you, I'll purchase a ticket anyway. And it's like, I'm sorry, but if my friend, quote unquote, said that to me, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put your name on a list so you can't yeah. get let in. Like, that is a terrible mentality, and she's selfish, and, um, and we all know that she's selfish mm-hmm. because Claire, uh, by letting the two women, Gertrude and Irene, be ambushed yeah. without warning, like, yeah. and making them feel uncomfortable and making them sit through that that awful, awful encounter with her husband, knowing how he is, yeah. um, that's selfish because she's just doing it for her own personal enjoyment. She, even later, she wasn't, she wasn't scared at all. She told them. She was like, oh, no, I thought it'd be funny. I thought it'd be ironic. Yeah. And it's like... You just put their life on the line, essentially. Like, yeah. that's not ironic, and that's not funny. Yeah. Um, that's cruel. That's yeah. cruel, and that's for selfish entertainment, and I think you're a sociopath. Yeah. Have you killed any animals? <laughs> um, <laughs> just a quick Just a quick, quick question. Like, fill out this form. But, um... Yeah. yeah. I know, I mean, she is, she's very selfish, and, like, there are times when you just want to strangle her, but, like, I also, like, I also do feel for her, and there are times when, like, I don't like I have mixed emotions about Claire because I just you know it sounds like when she was young like her dad died and I don't know that it ever says anything about a mom but you know she didn't have a mom to stay with definitely because she had to like go live with her her aunts and so I think she kind of made it kind of seems like she made this choice to pass and marry a white man almost on a whim um and then it like set a course for the rest of her life and so like, I do feel sorry for her in that, that she was kind of, like, lost and made this choice thinking that it would be the right one to give her more advantages. But, like, as, yeah, like, on a personal level, she does, like, really shitty things. But I couldn't help but also, like, feel for her, too. Yeah. 
do you think do you think she would have made that whimsical choice if she hadn't been raised by three white aunts that basically like were like told her that she was she had to do all the dirty work and she basically had to do slave work yeah um, she had to quote unquote earn her keep yeah because she was black yeah do you think that like if she was raised by her drunk father sorry but her family on the south side and she was around those people into a, her young adult life mm-hmm. she would have whimsically married a white man without telling him she was black no i don't think so i don't know i mean it's hard to say but yeah i mean yeah she she so she lives with her dad and then she grows up with those three white aunts who basically tell her never to tell anyone else that she's black oh yeah only they know they they so, gaslight like, the shit out of her yeah so of course like it would make sense in her mind and seem like the only option for her at that point yeah. because she can't really turn down a marriage proposal on those grounds. Yeah. So what is she going to do? Um, I mean, like, I don't know. She's definitely, like, fucked up a little bit. I just don't think it's entirely... I don't think it's entirely her fault at all. It's not entirely her fault. And it's not entirely, like... I don't know. I did... I, it, it made me feel for her more. Yeah. Even as, like, I... As much as I loved Irene, like, I did feel for Claire, too. Irene did piss me off at some points, too, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, she is a little mousy sometimes, like you are saying. Like, just stand up for yourself. I know. Like, but, yeah, but it's it's hard, and that's, like, what Nella Larson's trying to say. Like, on either, you know, quote, side, like, there are just, like, tensions you have to navigate and things you have to decide for your safety and your happiness and, you know, um, I don't know, but... Yeah. Do you so, want to go on to your third point real quick? Yeah, just quickly. I'll just I think I kind of was like getting there to like at one point Claire and Irene literally talk about being happy, safe and free and how they both think in some ways the other are those is is those things? Are those yeah. things? Um and I think that that is just a really interesting question that Larson presents. Um and I think the answer to the so I guess the question is is anyone truly ever happy safe and free and then that's the question that's explicit and then the question that I think Nella Larson is asking is who is freer Claire or Irene and neither yeah exactly neither of them are of their own type of yeah prisons that they've either created or the world around them has created for them yeah and I think but I think the answer to that question also depends on like the times, you know, like, I like, now, in 2022, I would say that Irene is freer, because she's true to who she is, and, um, you know, she, like, chose not to, like, pass as white, so, like, my answer would probably be that it was, like, Irene that was freer, because Claire's basically, like, living a lie, and, like, not having to tell her husband who she is, and waiting till he goes out of town to be with her friends. Yeah, I wanted say I agree but I actually think Claire might be freer in in the respect not I think she's freer in every respect except with her husband yeah because for example she does what she wants yeah she has an affair yeah no matter like she doesn't care if she gets caught she like is asked if she got caught she knows what she's gonna do yeah um she has money yeah so she can do and go wherever she pleases we're talking about 2022 yeah vibes um and she doesn't listen to the word no. Yeah. So she does whatever she pleads. She bulldozes yeah. over everyone else. She lights up right. the room. She takes all the attention. And Irene is stuck in a loveless marriage, mm-hmm. staying together for the kids. No, she doesn't love her husband. Knows yeah. her husband doesn't love her. Has no desire to win his love yeah. back. Or anything like that. She just legitimately doesn't want to lose. Like, she just wants to keep him almost as a prize. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to discredit Irene and her feelings. I'm just saying she has no quote-unquote passions. Yeah. And I think she's not free in the sense that she doesn't, like, let herself out. Yeah. She, She internalizes everything as far as her life goes. Yeah. And, um, like, she doesn't even, like, know what to do about her children half the time. Like, she doesn't know how to interact with them. Yeah. So, there's that. Um, we're gonna probably go over a little bit with time, but that's fine. But, yeah, but I love that that's what Larson does is, like, that's a question that you could, like, talk about for, like, hours. I know. And I think that that is so, I think that's what is so smart about the book is that there is no right answer and that 
everyone can have a different opinion about it, and I, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, and I just want to, like, talk about a little bit the ending. Yes. So, um, my next point kind of goes right into it, so I wanted to quote this part. It's, like, on page five. It's in the beginning, and they're talking about Claire, um, and it says, and yet she had, too, a strange capacity of transforming warth- warmth and passion, verging sometimes almost on theatrical heroics. So, the ending. Mm-hmm. They're at a party. Uh, Irene is basically numb at this point. She, like, knows she hates Claire. At the, like, yeah. she doesn't know what to do. She's 99% sure that her husband is not only having an affair with Claire, but is in love with her. She just found out Claire was invited to this party that Irene did not invite her to, but Brian did. And then they're going to someone's house for the soiree. It's all black people. There's no white people there. And um, they're hosting a party. Everybody's the life of their life. She, lo- like, having the best time or whatever. And, um, oh, that wasn't true. The the white poet was there. Hugh. Hugh, yeah. So he's, he's the only other person in the room that is observing. Am I mixing up parties right now? I think so. I think Hugh. When, no, I think when he sees that they're having the affair, too. No, that was the tea time. I'm so sorry. Okay, yeah. so the ending, we're just going to go to the last party. Someone else knows that she has, he's having the affair. Someone mm-hmm. else can see it. So it's obvious. Um, Irene is put up to the point where she doesn't want anybody else to know. She wanted to tell the husband, mm-hmm. but it, she knew that if she told the husband, there is the off chance that he will divorce Claire, and then she's free, and then she'll take Brian. Yeah. There is the part where she, she would confront Brian, but she knows that Brian doesn't give a shit about her and probably would leave her. Um, she could confront Claire, but she already knows that Claire won't do anything to change it because Claire's already said that she's in, before Irene even knew, Claire's already said, I'm really sorry that, like, you're such a good person because I know for a fact that if I want something, I don't care about hurting someone. I have no morals. And I'm like, when I read that line, I was like, oh, fuck, she's having an affair with him. Like, before it even was indicated that it was Brian and Claire, I was like, oh, fuck, she's going to have an affair with the husband. Like, I just knew with that quote, like, I have no morals, I'll do what I want to get what I want. And that was because Claire envied Irene's life. Mm -hmm. And so the ending is Claire is standing by the window, chilling for the vibes, which had just been opened by Irene because Irene was suffocating. She was, like, sitting in this room knowing all these horrible secrets feeling way down by, like, what to do, how to move forward, how to be happy, mm-hmm. essentially, and um, literally had to, on her way there, just listen to her husband flirt with Claire. Like, disgusting. It was so disgusting. I, like, was, when he was talking about carrying her over, like, up the stairs, I was just like, I'm gonna throw up for <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, and in comes Mr. Bellows. Bellows? Bellies? Bellows. Yeah. Bellows? Who knows? The husband. The Claire's husband. husband yeah. of Claire. He figured it out. Mm-hmm. He knows that she's black. And he's coming at her. Yeah. And in that moment, from what, this is how I read it. Claire is by the window. Mm-hmm. Irene steps in to A, defend Claire, and stand by her. So she grabs her arm. Then, Irene also hates Claire and is standing with her hand on her, and Claire's right by the open window, and then next thing you know, Claire goes through the window. Mm-hmm. And... Dies. Yeah. Dies. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> the thing is this. The ending is very obscure, in that you don't know what really happens. Irene won't tell you what happens, because I don't know if she really understands it. She's the only one that doesn't follow everybody out to see her down in the snow. Is it snowing? I think it's snowing, yeah. Um, she goes into the room to collect herself because she's like, I don't know what happened. I don't yeah. know if I pushed her. Like, she won't even actually ask that yeah. question to herself. She doesn't want to consider the possibility. Yeah. She's see, like, I read it differently. I read it as she knows that she caused Claire to fall, and she just doesn't know how she feels about it, but she knows that she did it. That's how I first thought it, but then someone else was like, I was staring right at her the whole time, and she just slipped right through the window. Maybe Claire jumped. Maybe Claire jumped. Who the fuck knows? All I, know, I, know I want to read this. it again. I do, too. And all I know is this, and this is awful and terrible, but that whole scene where 
the inner turmoil of Irene trying to figure out what to do mm-hmm. and how to get in, get out of this with her husband and her family still intact. And she's going through all these scenarios. My horrible head just immediately came to the, like, had the thought come into it. Claire should die. Claire needs to die. She's the problem in this scenario, unfortunately, for Irene. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the only way Irene can get everything she wants. Yeah. Like, if Irene is to get everything she wants, Claire yeah. has to be eliminated. Yeah. And, like, all the eliminations that you're talking about doesn't work, so right. she has to die. Yeah. And that's so terrible, but I am shocked that Nella Larson did it. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh my god, I am a horrible person for thinking this, mm-hmm. but also, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> whoa. Oh my god. But are there any extra points that you want to talk about? Um, or do you want to? <laughs> I think so. I don't think so. I think we, we talk, can just give our we just, we just really went through all of passing. Um, so, and if you've read it, please reach out and talk to us about it because I don't know if I'm ever going to stop talking about this book. Um, so, what Razzle Frat rating would you give it? I give it a full Razzle. Me too. I think this is the first book that we've rated that I gave a full Razzle. Yeah. Um, so, originally, I gave it a full razzle, not just on the content, but, like, the fact that the pacing was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't put it down. I couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. I read it, like, a day. I was so enthralled by it. And it just, like, laid things in, like, out in the way that, like, my heart kept dropping. Mm-hmm. But I was, like, and I was suspicious about things because I'm a reader. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't want them to be true. I didn't want yeah. any of my suspicions to be true. Yeah. And, like, that was really good. And nothing was, like overtly in your face yeah. it was really really well done and i'm really upset that this isn't a more well-known book i know like i would love to read this over like great gatsby or something like that like yeah. in school you yeah. know what i mean yeah i've like heard about like teachers like substituting it in on like curriculums instead of gatsby that's smart because it's interesting because it's like yeah, this is going on in the same time period as Gatsby, and... It's more realistic. The, yeah, and I was gonna say, and like, the one you've got, like, the party in, and, like, the biggest problem in the book is, like, oh, does she love me? Does she love me not? And, like, this problem is, like, okay, like, we have real problems in the world, like, yeah. like, and there are actual things going on that right. affect and people like in society, a- and not just, like, rich people partying on Long Island. Yeah, and, I mean, and it's also, they're, they're, they have wealthy soirees. Like, if you want the glitz and glam, you've got it. It's yeah. Set in, it's set in 1927. Yeah. But, for sure. Um, Alright, so we'll quickly go through our end, uh, um, our wrap-up. We had so much to talk about. I think I talked too much about partying over the weekend. Um, but, so, we have this little theme, so... We're recording this on Sunday. Tomorrow is Valentine's. Mm-hmm. This is coming out in two weeks, so Valentine's will have passed. And essentially, February will be over, but whatever. <laughs> um, we don't care. Uh, we are going to, quote-unquote, give out Valentine's mm-hmm. for books. Um, uh, Ashton interpreted this differently than <laughs> me, so the thing is, I will say the Valentine, and then we'll each give a book pick that kind of, like, represents this a little bit. Mm-hmm. So... The first one is the Will You Be Mine. So these are going to be, like, our personal picks. Um, I did I did all the books that I picked are based on, like, relationships and, like, love. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one was a book that I read uh, as a teenager called If I Stay by Gail Foreman. Um, so it's made into a movie. Um, very cute. It's sad. Like, this girl uh, it tells the story of this girl who is, like, her, her falling in love and finding herself in high school, um, she's, like, a, pro- a prodigy kid playing the cello, and it, the whole story takes place while she's in a coma, mm-hmm. so she, her, she just got into an accident with her family, she, her parents died both during the accident, and her brother's, like, on life support, and she basically gets to leave her body, and, like, mm-hmm. so, like, if I stuff. stay in life, yeah, so she has to make the choice if she's going to stay and deal with the trauma of losing her family, um, and move forward mm-hmm. and, like, know that there are technically still people that love her, but it's going to be a rough road, or if she decides to go. Yeah. And so, basically, beside her is the boy that fall, fell in love with her and is, is trying to remind her why she, what, what makes life beautiful and why she should stay with oh, him. That sounds like such um, a good book. Oh, my God. And the movie's actually pretty good. I think it was cute. It was, uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. Do you have it? The book? No, the book? Yeah. 
I think I gave it to one of my younger cousins. Sorry. It's fine. <laughs> it's easy to access, though. Um, it's probably yeah, on, like, an email somewhere. Right but what is your will be mine? So, yeah, I interpreted it a little differently. It's <laughs> not as the relationship in the book, but just, like, the book itself that is, like, one of my personal picks, um, which is Harry Potter. Um, it's just, like, one of my all-time faves. So that's <laughs> that's the way I went with it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Really much more it's okay. It. <laughs> um, I guess I didn't explain it very well when I came up with this idea. Um, or, yeah, I'm sure you did, and I just completely, to, like, misinterpreted you did, what you were saying. but I'm saying. trying to be nice. <laughs> I'm trying to be really nice. I even put, like, little descriptions on the docket, guys. Like, I'm not kidding. Um, okay. So, number two is, uh, I think you're cute. So, like, um, this is, like, a cute and fun to read, cheesy in the best ways. Uh, I was picturing, like, rom-coms, which are very hard for me. I don't read these. Mm-hmm. But I do have one that I did read recently, which is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. And it's a, it's a queer love story set in, like, a different, an alternative future where, like, the, fu- the president of the United States is a woman. Thank mm-hmm. God. I know. Um, <laughs> and a woman from Texas. From Texas, Ayo. Yes. Um, and, like, it's just, like, a, it's an enemies-to-lovers trope, uh, with, between the first son and, um, the Prince of Wales from UK, so, it's just so, it just kept making me smile when I read it, and, like, I don't read a lot of rom-coms because I, I don't do the cheese, I, I watch cheesy shows and cheesy movies, but reading, I'm, like, I almost, like, am masochistic, I like dark, twisty, sad makes me like crawl in a corner and like die a little on the inside <laughs> um just healthy dose of reading right there <laughs> but what's your i think you're cute um so mine is any jasmine gallery rom-com specifically i'm thinking of the wedding date so i could say the relationship in the wedding date i guess that's what i was thinking about and it's it's alexa and i can't remember the guy's name but i i really do love their relationship and that it's like fun um like fake relationship turns into real relationship kind of trope and I really love it and I love Jasmine Guillory so her books always make me smile and the relationships in them are always like super cheesy and there's always a big gesture but um I love it and sometimes that's just what I need yeah okay yeah cute (laughs) um the next one's you drive me wild I just like google different valentine's quotes and i realized most of them have to do with like the image that's on the valentine yeah <laughs> so it's like picture like a animal print yeah so you drive me wild so these are like the steamy books i also don't read a lot of these um but and i've seen so the next one i'm choosing it's turned into a show and i've seen the show and the, if the books are anything like the show which i heard they are mm-hmm. oof. um <laughs> yeah steamy out the outlander series by Diana Gabaldon, um, they came out in the 90s, I say, I mm-hmm. think, and she's still coming out with more stuff, but, um, it's just hot historical stuff, man, like, <laughs> I'm <enjoying> easy it. <laughs> access with the kilts and the skirts, so, it's like, there's not no must, no fuss, just let's get down to business, you know, yeah. um, so I can only, I've seen the show, so I can only imagine what the books are like, because, yeah. like, Believe it or not, you can only show so much on TV. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I feel like all bets are off in books and the way yeah. they describe some stuff. I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. I am blushing. So, yes. what drives you wild? <laughs> Normal People by Sally Rooney. Those are good scenes, too. Good scene. Sally Rooney writes a good sex scene. And Normal People, like... It's made even steamier to me by the fact that, like, these people are, like, so obviously in love with each other and just, like, have, like, a, like, animal kind of thing going. But it's, like, also, like, their love. I don't know. I Or, like, it, they love each other. I, at times, they're not in love. They it doesn't matter. They, they fall in love. love. Um, but I don't know. Those Some of those scenes are just, like... It mm. does... It reminds me of, like, when you're young and, like first getting to know someone yeah it's like a first love and yeah like, and you go through that honeymoon of just like we can do it all man yeah um exactly that's definitely very steamy um is. also yeah. marianne's time in sweden or wherever is like Cringe. awful but like um, also steamy i guess so all right um 
Number four, best Galentine. So um, I don't celebrate Galentines just because like my friends don't like me. But uh, we're recording this on Galentines. Is it? Is it Galentines, Galentine's the thirteenth? The thirteenth. Yes. I didn't know it was an actual day. I thought it was just like a thing you do with friends and like. Well, I mean, put on Instagram. I think the dates kind of. Um, so these are like this is a book that with friendships that I love. Um, so I chose actually such a fun age by Kylie Reed. Um. <laughs> It's spelled wrong, that's why I'm kind of giggling. I'm um, sorry. And uh, this is the friendship between the main character, Amira, and her friends, Zara, Sefa, and Shawnee. Um, a lot happens in this book, man, but if you read this, her friends back her up no matter what mm-hmm. decision she makes. They, like, they're the truest people to her in that, like, when she's like, am I going crazy? Is this, like, am I overreacting? They support her, and they're like, no, you're not overreacting. You feel what you feel. We will help you in whatever way you need. Like, we will do anything uh, for you, and they do. And I think it's just beautiful, because, like, from most books that I've read, a lot of times, there's not a lot of good female friendships. Or the female friendships go through something where, like, they fight over something. So, middle school, or, like, the friend that you thought was the best friend turns out to be a really shitty person. Whereas, like, this one from start to finish, they're all really good friends, and they continue being good friends. And I think yeah. that's really good. And um, it was really sad that it took me a long time to find a book for this yeah. one. Because um, we should have better female relationships uh, in books yeah. that portray successful and, like, supportive friendships. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't think of any oh. other than this one, which it's, is sad. Because this like, just um, came out. It's like the Bechdel test for books. Oh, I know. Yeah. There's more movies like that now, but anyway. Anyway. Um, What's your so best Galentine? My best Galentine, it's actually a TV series because, like, you, I had, like, a really hard time thinking about books where this was the case. So I just went with um, shows that have been, like, in my brain lately, and that is Broad City, um, Alana, and Abby. <laughs> There's always an Alana to someone's Abby and always an Abby to someone's Alana. Yes. Like, you have one of each. Yes. And, um... So, I love Broad City. I love that relationship. And I also love um, Leslie and Anne from Parks and Rec. Um, and that's, like, I always think of the Valentine's Day episode, but they're just, like, I just love them. Um, and so, that's kind of what came to mind for me. But I'm going to have to think on the book, because now it's going to drive me crazy if I can't think of at least a couple I know, that it, have those. It, it actually really upset me that I had to, like, rack my brain for huh. this one, whereas the other ones came so easily. Yeah. Um... And that's saying something, because, like, I've read a lot of books. I should have something up there, but I don't. Uh, And then the last one is Until the End of Time. So these are the classic and enduring love stories that we love um, to read. I guess it doesn't have to be an actual classic book. It could be a modern contemporary one. (laughs) um, If you are Ashton and interpreted (laughs) Just at me next time. (laughs) But I chose, believe it or not, Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen. Though I am a diehard Pride and Prejudice, I think the relationship between um, the eldest Miss Dashwood and, uh, ooh, his name, Edward Ferrars, I think it's so sweet. It's stupid because both of them don't actually tell each other that they like each other mm. and they're just so polite to each other. And, like, they just listen to all the assholes that are around them saying, like, oh, like, did you hear Edward's, like, engaged to this chick? And then, like, she's like, oh, well, he'll never be able to go for me then. Like, he'll never like me because I'm not rich. And, like, this other girl's like, I'm secretly in love with him. We've been, like, secretly engaged for, like, fucking years. And she's like, oh, well, fuck. Like, he's in love with her. Like, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, if he's engaged to her all this whole time, like, I don't stand a chance. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to have to let him go. And then, like, Edward is, like oh, she doesn't even, like, look at me anymore. Like, she obviously does not like me. Um, and that's okay. Like, I'll just, like, vibe on over here. And it's, like, which I'm doing a great retelling of this. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, like, and there's other characters in this book. Read it. Um, but this particular relationship, I think, gets to me because it's, like, they, like, when they find out that, like, they've just been listening to everybody instead of talking to each other, they find out that they actually love each other. Mm And that they were just being respectful of the other person's happiness. I'm like, shut up. You want someone else to be happy other than yourself? Can't like, relate. What? <laughs> um, that's like the true foundation 
on a relationship. No big deal. Like, we not to be selfish for once. Um, but yeah, anyway, those are my until the end of time. Nice. Mine, um, this is me dumbly misinterpreting Allie's, um, theme, but I went with a classic and enduring book not relationship within a book and for me that is a modern classic um this okay i guess like i could go the typical route and say like grapes here but i'm not i'm gonna go grapes of wrath oh i know what you were saying but I, that was my face was like as like a classic agree. well okay anyway that's a discussion for another time but the secret history by donna tart or if we were villains by ml rio which is like a kind of retelling of that but in a different setting are that style of book the like dark academia someone's dead who did it how did it happen how are they acting a book rich, rich kids running around a oh my god i'm a slut for that kind of book i love, I so love it yeah. and for me that is a book in a genre that is classic and enduring and i will die on that hill <laughs> I no, no, love no. those books. Uh, they are equally yeah. my favorite. I think we discussed this before, but you are more of a if we were villains gal, and I'm a secret history yeah. bitch. Both beautiful books, um, and I can I can see why they have endured because you, yeah. you like you just love you just love them if you're like a true academia nerd yeah. and you just love all that kind of stuff and 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 then um, being a constant student if you like the idea of being yeah. like a constant student and a constant scholar As and like do. being frozen yeah. in that time period of your life these are the books for you which yeah. then it fits it fits the end until the end of time vibe so I'll, <laughs> I'm, I'm helping you out here buddy. yes you are you're doing some heavy lifting but we don't have unfortunately we really have like no time left to talk we other negative time other left. things yeah we're going over but that's okay um um, we are also going to be launching an Instagram account mm-hmm. for the Razzle Frat Pod, um, just to kind of get more notice of people to listen to us. Um, mm-hmm. Not that we don't love whoever's listening right now. Um, but Shout that out is, Germany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the Instagram account is Razzle Frat Pod. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um look up how to spell that. I don't yeah. feel like spelling that all If out. you follow us on Insta, we'll tag them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna start us. launching that. And then it'll launch right around the time this episode comes out, so. Yeah, so we can yeah. promote it. Great. Okay, well, on that note, I guess we will end it there. Be sure to follow our own bookish antics on our bookstagrams at there's ink on my hands and grapes underscore of underscore ash. Share Razzle Frat with friends, lovers, enemies. Share the wealth of this gem of a pod and feel free to leave a review or comment in Apple Podcasts. The next time, come for the books and stay for the coffee-fueled conversation. And we shall bid you adieu. That's Razzle Frat.